Welcome back to Coal Shack's Loop. This episode's a little bit off the beaten path. This is a portion of a three and a half hour discussion me and Rich had. The other portion, uh, the other part of that will be released as the Spanish Moss Murders episode. But for now, I'm going to re- just thought I would cut this little slice of pie out and sort of put it out uh, to keep the the integrity, I guess, of the Spanish Moss Murders episode. And so if, if you aren't a Titans fan or, you know, you haven't seen the, seen the show, I would recommend seeing it. But if you're not going to, you can skip this episode. But I will say that there's a lot of uh, interesting insights from a writer's perspective, especially working with he's worked with Jeff Johns, who is one of the biggest people, you know, in the comic industry. Uh, today, and really in the past, you know, uh, 10, 15 years, uh, he, he has a lot of good insights on him. And we just talk about uh, we talk about the new Suicide Squad movie, The Suicide Squad, and we talk about a little bit, little bit about that, just his process for writing Titans, what what goes on in the writing room, and it's a real fun insight into the the inner workings. Uh, you really get to see. Sometimes you don't want to see how the sausage is made, but this is a very fun interview, I think. And I think if you do listen to it, even if you don't watch Titans, you will really enjoy hearing the process and hearing about some of the things. There are heavy spoilers, especially for the first three episodes of season three. Um, and if and at the time this is coming out tomorrow, season five will be premiering. So we didn't talk about season four, uh, and we haven't talked about any of the other episodes besides the first three. But here, uh, you know, be sure to check that out. It's streaming on HBO Max. You can find it there. Uh, and be sure to tr- tweet it, Rich. If you if you find the Titans and you enjoy it because of, because of Cole Shack's Loop, you know just send a little tweet out to Rich uh, at Richard Haddam on Twitter. He's really good about interacting with fans, so don't you know just don't be afraid to reach out to him and and to let him know that that you heard about it and you watched it because of the show. I'm sure he'd enjoy that. But anyway, speaking of that, let's transition over into that conversation here, and we're going to jump right into it here, and we're going to talk a little bit about. Titans, DC's Titans, airing on HBO Max. So take it away. But before we get to that, I feel uh, tonight, tonight, today is Wednesday, tonight, uh, something special drops on HBO Max. It's... uh, Right, I think it's the next the next episode of uh, Titans. Right, does it drop at midnight? Uh, uh, it drops at yeah, at midnight. Well, this is Wednesday. Oh yeah, because then midnight, yeah. one minute after midnight, it's officially Thursday. Technically Thursday. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, in just a few hours, episode four. Yes. So before we get to that, let's talk about episode one, two, and three. We'll talk mostly one. So, man, you and Jeff Johns are like I don't know peanut butter and jelly. I think that relationship is not good <laughs> enough to describe how good that episode was. Man, that first episode, I've heard like, okay, let's look. I, I wanted you to know this. I don't know. Sometimes it's hard for you. I don't know. I guess sometimes for me and being in a bubble, if you're a part of something, it's hard to really realize like how, what people think about it. And I know, I know with Twitter, I'm sure people, you get most of the net negative criticism, man. But what I think, uh, it was trending number three this week behind, uh, Stranger Things and something else is like one of the biggest shows. It was trending above Loki, I believe, as far as people, uh, you know, talking about watching it. It was like, Let's see. Wow. United States TV demand versus market average, uh, digital originals only. So basically, Stranger Things is one, Ted Lasso is two, Titans is three with 36.8,000, and uh, Loki is four, and then Outer Banks, Mandalorian, Lucifer, 
but man, that that is so huge to be number three. And I, I, I've heard I'm in a lot of the groups, and I've heard a lot of good things about it. So just tell us, man, how do you feel knowing seeing your fruit, your work come to fruition, man? Well, it's funny. Uh, first, let me talk about those numbers because when you're dealing with streaming cable, it's not the same as the old days, just doing you yeah. know the, the Nielsen's on network TV. So, so I, I will honestly tell you that it is. I do not know, and I do not believe that any of the creatives on the show, creatives being writers, producers, actors, ever know actual numbers. You know, and and I yeah. don't know how they would count those numbers anyway. I don't know if they go well. How many views were in the first twenty four hours or the first week, as as opposed to other shows that maybe have been on for a while? It's very hard to really understand how you're performing. Um, what what I think what you're looking at has to do with almost like with um, engagement response on social yeah, media, yeah. like like. The, like they're literally just counting the number of times the hashtag comes up. So they're not even counting like people. They're assuming people who are tweeting about it or Instagramming about it or whatever, Facebooking about it, have watched it. And so they're just searching for mentions. But in any case, yes, Titans is a very popular title. So that's great. I've heard from people over the last week because we dropped episodes one, two and three last week and so the people who watched it that first 24 hours first 48 hours those are the hardcore fans those are the ones yeah, who yeah. knew it was coming back waiting for it to come back excited for it to come back and they wanted to see it now now a subset of that group are the people with their arms crossed who are like okay i had an opinion about season one and season two and now i'm watching kind of hoping that season three continues that opinion there is an opinion out there that seasons one and two were hit and miss. Um, and, and, you know, hey, look, you know, there are people who love it unreservedly. There are people who hate it unreservedly. And then there's others who are like, look, season one, season two, there were high points and low points. <clears throat> now we're looking at season three and, and let's see what happens. And for those people, it seems like their response is, wow. Yeah. Titans. HBO Max feels like a different show. You know, first three episodes, each one of them solid. They feel of a piece. They feel like they're all telling the same story. And we're, you know, and we're getting a lot of what we wanted from the show that we weren't getting enough of. The team fighting together, the characters interacting with each other, emotions, um, uh, you know the characters, uh, uh, whether they're whether they're in conflict or or enjoying each other's company, people want to see the Titans interacting with each other mm -hmm. as human beings. And and this is something I will say that we knew, and we wanted too. And and there was a lot of talk after season two about okay, what do we like about the show, and and how are, and how are we providing that, and and how can we do a better job of that. So what, what you saw in the first three episodes is absolutely the writer's room saying, okay, we hear what the fans are saying, and we're also kind of agreeing with them because that's what we want too. Let's really make sure this doesn't get lost in the shuffle. Because when you're writing these TV scripts for shows like this, a, a lot of other factors come in. Um, the biggest one this year being COVID. Yes. 
We were supposed to start filming episode one on March 31st, 2020. On the eve, I mean, we were in the middle of pre-production when the shutdown hit. So everything shut down, we did not begin filming, and we did not begin filming episode one until October of 2020, so 10 months ago. That six-month delay, there were some rewrites, but not a lot of those first three. But my point is this. When you're doing these shows, a lot of stuff comes up. You know, uh, uh, actors' availability, uh, budget, uh, weather, um, you know, w- w- what what we can afford to film and how we're going to do it and what scenes we can do and what scenes we absolutely can't do and how do you decide. We We had a lot more in that first episode. And, and it ultimately became a budgetary sort of like, look, you can't have all the candy you want. Choose the pieces you really, really want. And we all looked at each other and said, we want that first fight. Mm-hmm. We, want, we want Gizmo and we want the Titans yes, fighting yeah. together as a unit of people who, have, who are beloved by San Francisco and enjoy doing what they're doing and enjoy working together. And that really is like number one for us. So let's make sure we get that. And I think we did. And then we just went down the list and we had to prioritize. And what you see is the result of that uh, prioritization. So people seem to be into those first three episodes. We've got episode four. It's a big Starfire, Blackfire episode coming up uh, tomorrow. We'll see what people think. Yeah, man. And here's another thing that people need to understand. So I see people, you know, especially with something like Loki, I don't think people understand the scope of Loki. They they get $8,000 per second for CGI alone. $8,000 per second for CGI alone. So I'm, I'm, I don't know what your budget is, but I'm sure, God, I know it's not $8,000 a second for CGI alone. Um, well, let me. I'll, I'll let you in on another thing, and I and I hope your listeners find this fascinating, because if they love genre TV, then they're consuming what what we're producing. Yeah. And and just a little look inside production, you know, you'll write a script, and you'll indicate in the script it's like you know Gar turns into a tiger, or you know Rachel does her Raven magic, and and you'll describe exactly what that moment is going to be. Starfire blasts somebody or something. Now we have a company that we work with that does all of our special effects. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they go through and they're like, they go through the script and they estimate. They're like, well, okay. So you're you're saying that Starfire, for instance, you know, blasts some fire at a car and it explodes. Okay. So so we, you know, you'll probably actually blow up a car, but we're gonna have to supplement with fire and a fire effect and now we're going to say it's going to be maybe three shots and, and that's going to cost this much. And they just, they list it out. I mean, you, you, they come up with a itemized list, 4,000 for this, you know, 4,000 every time we do a shot of this particular effect and we think you're going to use it five times, that's $20,000. And they go through the whole script and then they come up with a total and the total is always outrageous and absolutely unacceptable. So then we as writers and the director and the producers, we sit down with that with that special effects house and we go through every one of their things. And, and we're like, okay, now this shot, it's just one shot. 
we only need one shot of of Starfire sticking her hand out and blasting fire. Then we're going to cut to a car exploding and then we're done. And they're like, oh, we thought you needed like three or four. No, we only need one. Okay, it's not 20,000. It'll only be, uh, you know, um, 8,000, whatever. And you go through, you have to go through every single thing and then and then plan for it. And then the director has to know, okay, we're just doing this one shot. So that's going to be the shot into which we will put the special effect. And you go through the whole script like that. Yeah. And, and here's an, and so, and season one was, was great. And I heard a lot of people complain, oh, they didn't, they, they ended on a, on a cliffhanger. But now tell me the, the, the speculation was that on season one, you didn't have the budget to do the CGI you needed for Trigon. So that, oh, so season two opened up with the Trigon so you could get that effect. Because I mean, you got to think about the CGI Trigon. If you ever, there's a good YouTube channel, you guys called Corridor Crew, and they break down a ton of CGI and it's a really fun channel. Uh, they do a bunch of stuff, like even practical effects. They do like Stanley Kubrick, but they talk about stuff like this. If you're lighting something during the day, of course, like Trigon was in season two, the season two uh, opening scene, you know, the opening episode, mm-hmm. it's harder to light during the day, so that's going to cost more money right there. And and just at things, at the more scenes, the more seconds he's in there, the higher the price is climbing. And then you got to think like the effects around him as he's destroying the the fauna and the plant life around him. It's really expensive. So did you run out of money in season one and need to push it to season two, or do you just want to open it that way? No, I, I'm I am proud to say that that we we it was a creative decision. Um, we there were a lot of challenges in season one, and budget was one, schedule was one. And we got to a point where we were finishing the season and we were finishing fast. I mean, those last few episodes were written very quickly and and we liked them. They were they were good. Um and then, and we shot a finale episode. And after we shot it, we, as a creative team and as a studio, looked at it and went, this is good, but is it the absolute best we can do? And is it really answering, just on a textual level, is it answering the questions we want to answer? Is it, is it, you know, is it hitting all the emotional beats we want to get? And once those conversations started, we, and, and we were, in a way, being offered a second chance, it's very hard not to go. Well, oh, yeah, 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 of course. If if we if we had another swing at this, we could hit all the things we hit in this episode, but we could also hit a bunch more. And to their credit, the studio said, "Then let's let's take another swing at it." Now we didn't have at that point we didn't have time, so they said, "Okay, here's what we're going to do." We'll end on the cliffhanger. We'll end on a on a um, <clears throat> on the penultimate episode, mm-hmm. and let's all step back, take another look at a script, put in all the beats we want, and 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 then go back and partially, not totally, but partially reshoot the episode and and pick up all the things we want. And so that's what we did. And and we're like, you know what? We'll end on a cliffhanger. People consume this stuff, in, you know however they're going to consume it. And then we'll start season two with the conclusion of season one and then continue on to season two. And so as a decision we made now in retrospect, I think just as a narrative approach, it's probably not a great idea and we weren't going to follow it up. It's not like, well, every season is going to end on a cliffhanger that will get resolved in the first episode of the next season. That, that wasn't going to be our hallmark. So, so we did it once 
And then we're like, okay, good enough. Now, believe me, there's a lot of people out there who are like, yeah, you should have done that with season two also because there's people out there who didn't, who had a lot of uh, uh, complaints and uh, challenges with the finale of season two. And if you go online, you can find it. Yeah. A lot of people who love it too, but there's people who are like, so there's probably people out there saying, yeah, you should have done that with season two also. But, you know, we were, we were pretty happy with season two and the way it concluded. Um, we heard from fans. We we understand where the criticisms were coming from. And again, every season we try to get better and we go, OK, if that's what happened, how do we avoid that this season? And so, again, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to always up our game, challenge ourselves to produce better and better episodes that that please us and hopefully please fans. Like I said, so far, season three seems to be doing it but we got you know we've got 10 more episodes and the great thing about dc fans is that they they love these characters and they love the stories and they consume everything they consume comic books and the films and they have a million reference points for all these characters and story arcs and all this stuff and they have then they come to the show with various expectations and and so there are certain people who just story-wise we're not going to meet their expectation because we're not going to tell the story they think we should be telling and those people may come away disappointed. We hope they come away feeling that they got a, a new spin on an old yeah. favorite, if you will. But we'll we'll see. You know, we got a lot more episodes to come, so we'll see what the fans say. Yeah, and and I promise we'll talk Spanish Moss murders. We'll get there. I, I, we just got to dig some more into Titans. And I'm sorry, everybody. I may branch this off. We've got nothing but time. Yeah, yeah. Um. So one thing, you know. You know, you said it right there. People are dedicated. DC fans are dedicated. I remember reading Jeff Johns' Aquaman run, loving it, read his Justice League run. I even remember back in high school reading his Green Lantern run, and it was amazing, man. Jeff Johns, I mean, he's he's a real visionary with this stuff. But in what year did the show start, Titans? What? We started working on it in 2017, and I believe it premiered... Later that year, I believe? It premiered later that year, like in... No, 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 because we didn't start shooting it. No, I, I, I think it premiered in 2018. Okay, so I think it did. Yeah. Let, let, let's go back in our time machine. So in 2016, you had a PG-13 uh, Suicide Squad, which was people liked it. And some people had their complaints. You know, a mixed bag of reviews. PG-13. You had a, a, a very M-rated Titans come out. You know, t- adult TV here. And uh, yeah. well, what, what is this we have here in 2021? We have a. a an R-rated uh, The Suicide Squad. So uh, James Gunn from Rich Haddam and, and all the people who worked on that, you're welcome for getting you that R-rating, proving that uh, <laughs> proving that DC can do R-rated stuff, because that's what they were waiting on was something as successful as Titans, right? It's hard to tell. I don't know. I mean, I'm not involved on the feature side, so I don't know how yeah. decisions get made in terms of like how, you know, you know how hard we're going to go with this. I mean, in a way, when you think about it, it's like, look, it, it, the thing is fucking called Suicide Squad. Yeah. It's yeah. designed to be these are the outlaws yeah. of the DC world. It's like it's like Deadpool. It's like if yeah. you're gonna do Deadpool, you have to do the adult R-rated, scatological, funny, sick Deadpool. Well, kind of same thing with Suicide Squad. Now they may have been trying to distinguish it from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Like yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy is a little bit more Tame. big tent. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, we've got the funny raccoon. Everyone gets to come in. But maybe now let's make make a nightclub just for adults. And that's how this one will go. 
I don't know how those decisions get made. I what I can tell you is that Titans, the television show, was always meant to be streaming cable, adult content, distinguishable from CW shows yes, in that yeah. feature. It would be more cable, you know, a bit more gritty, maybe a bit more sex, a bit more realism. We can tell stories in different ways. We're not, you know, we're we're not sort of locked into a, a straight sort of, you know, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. We can do a few chapters and then drop out for a while and do a spotlight episode on a side character and then come back. We can do other things. This is what Jeff Johns and Akiva Goldsman and Greg Berlanti wanted for Titans and had always wanted. And this has been a project that has been in development in different forms for a long time. But that was always part of it, was that let's do the cable version where we can get more into character psychology and all this stuff. Uh, Akiva Goldsman, obviously interested in character dynamics, interior character psychology, um, and, and also, a, you know, a, a, a very knowledgeable member of the DC family. Uh, Jeff Johns, I mean, it's in his blood. I mean, oh, this yeah. is a guy who, who, who can't not see, you know, see the world or the blank page in terms of these great images and characters and storylines. Um, I, I probably ended up working more closely with Jeff in the first two seasons. Um, and I, I didn't get a chance to work with Akiva, but Akiva was, was more active as a director in season one and season two. And, and in working with Jeff, um, I came away obviously impressed. I came away as a student learning from a master. And I will tell you in season three, episode one, that Jeff and I co-wrote the stuff that people love for the most part, that's Jeff. The, 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 the bat family conflict, the, the very idea for, for where the season would go was very much, you know, Jeff had a big hand in building that. The showrunner, Greg Walker, ad- adopted the vision of a season in Gotham and ran with it. But in terms of sitting down, when you sit down to write with Jeff, you're just like, dude, do as many scenes as you want. <laughs> That's going to make it better. Let you, you let me know. And so... He did a lot of that. I, I, I was I was happy to be able to uh, share the spotlight with him for a while. But uh, but, you know, a lot of the iconic moments from episode one. That's all, Jeff. That's pure Jeff. Well, OK, so you say that. But some. OK, how do I word this? So first off, have you seen the new Suicide Squad? Have you seen it yet? I have. Did you? I, I loved it, man. I thought James Gunn. Uh, James Gunn's awesome. I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I thought it was a little I mean, it's kind of like saying. You know, gee, I saw Schindler's List. It was a downer. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, what, what the fuck can you expect? Um, ton- tonally, I did find Suicide Squad a little like, uh, I don't know, maybe it's because of my age or whatever. It's like, okay, you chop off eight people's heads. I get it. I don't need the next three. <laughs> no, it's like, I get it. But still, you know, Suicide Squad living up to their name. I get it. I th- there were performances that were through the roof. Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Well, you just don't get any better than that. God bless um, and, ple- and, and forgive me, and please look it up on IMDb so I don't sound like a total idiot. But I'm going to say the woman who played the rat lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I loved her. I mean, 
such an engaging personality for such an odd character and and you you totally buy her psychology and just love her um it you know Idris Elba of course so you know it was funny and and it was shocking and horrifying you know by by the end of the second hour i was like okay i this is this is a flavor i think i'm i'm full up with and uh but you you can't deny the filmmaking and the skill and the craft and and especially the performances i i was oh, yeah i was really impressed and and man it's it's it was weird seeing like growing up seeing john cena as a wrestler, you know, like and when I was in middle yeah. school and stuff, and then him, him like being an actor. Of course, I guess it was the same thing with The Rock, but The Rock's like, I went and saw Jungle Cruise recently, too. I mean, he's so good in Jungle Cruise. It's like, man, some some yeah. of these guys, it's just like, oh, they can they can flip a switch. And John Cena, the press he is doing in his, out, like, wearing the Peacemaker outfit. Have you seen that? He's going around everywhere in the Peacemaker outfit, going on, uh, he went on The Late Show, uh, He's just doing press tours in the Peacemaker outfit. God bless him, man. He, he is God, dedicated God bless to him. You, uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, uh, when, when an actor embraces their character and, and, and really, really digs, I mean, that, that's, that's great to see and good for him. Oh yeah. And, uh, D- uh Daniela Mel- Melcher, I was going to say her name just because she did really good. And did you see so the polka the guy who played polka? Wait, I'm sorry. The, the the woman you just mentioned is that the woman we were talking about? Yeah, Ratcatcher. Yes, yeah, Ratcatcher. What is her name? Uh, Daniela Melcher. Daniela Melcher. Daniela Melcher. Okay, everybody, good. I'm glad I, we got a Daniela Melcher. Fantastic. And so the, yeah, and the guy who plays. Oh yeah, and let's see who played the I thought the polka dot who the who played the polka dot man was his name David. How do you say his last name? Das Malshin? I... Mm, oh, I don't know. He was great too. I mean, again, I, there, as far as performances, there was not a not a sour note in the whole bunch, as far as I'm concerned. Did you hear? Okay, so here's the main thing I wanted to do about him. Just and I'm I'm going way off track. I may split this into its own little, little episode. So he found a cat when they were filming in Argentina. Did you see this story? They were filming no. in Argentina, and he found a cat, and they were still on set. And so he had them make the the set designer, costume designer, made this a cat he adopted, a little polka dot man outfit. And it is the great it is the Oh great. my god. He's he's showing me a picture of this. That is amazing. And and I thought, man, that is that is so perfect. That is so perfect. Um That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and before we go on, well, let's go back to I'm so sorry, guys. Just talk about this first episode a little bit because so the dialogue and stuff, you have to have a hand in writing some Absolutely. of that dialogue. That, that some of that dialogue seemed very uh, rich, had a mess. Sure. Like some of the conversations. When you're working with a co-creator of the show, and and it's Jeff Johns, you, your ears are wide open. A lot of the way these things get done, if you're you're pitching a scene, it's like you know someone will come up with the idea. You know, what if we do a scene with Barbara and Bruce and Dick? And then people just start pitching. It's like, yeah, like, like I would imagine that Barbara's pissed off. Like, she's like, look, you're a nutcase, you know, and you got my dad killed and then you got Jason killed. This is family. I don't have to treat you like Batman or something. She's going to be honest. She, she has a history with this person and the kind of character she is. She's not going to mince words. She's got issues with Dick Grayson, by the way. Dick Grayson comes in and out of her life. And Dick Grayson is not the most consistent. It's like, 
I know we're friends. I know we've had mm -hmm. romantic encounters in the past, but then you just disappear. So, I mean, I, I, I don't really know how to think of you. You just, you go. We decided let's lean into that. Let's actually do all of that stuff because it's an emotional episode. And we wanted to focus on how this death affects yeah. Bruce Wayne. And we realized that, that Bruce Wayne is not a normal person. A normal person does not become Batman. So a normal person isn't going to grieve in a normal, predictable way. They're going to grieve, or in this case, not grieve, based on the persona that they have built for themselves like a shell over the last, you know, whatever, 35 years that he's been out being Batman. And what does that do to a person? We're like, we're, we're the one show that can do this. We can, we can tell the story of later stage Bruce Wayne. So let's do it. No one's ever really told that story. What, what, what price do you pay for being Batman? What does it do to you as a human being? And one of the reasons we liked it so much is because we, we knew that the season was going to be about Dick Grayson in Gotham. And so we're like, well, what does Dick Grayson risk if he sticks around in Gotham and tries to deal with Red Hood and, and Gotham challenges? He's seen the effect it had on Bruce. Does, is that what he wants for himself? And at the same time, Bruce is the only father, you know, or the, in a way, the most major father he's ever known. And, and Bruce has, has had a huge influence on who Dick Grayson has become as an adult. And Titans has always dealt with the ramifications of that that are not all positive. Yes, he's an amazing fighter. Yes, he has amazing skills. But when you're taught by this guy, what does that do to you? So it's, it's about fathers yeah. and sons mm -hmm. trying to, you know, you love your father, but you, maybe you don't want to become your father. But how do you not, how do you ignore the call when your father says, it's yours now? This is all yours. You're going to run the hardware store. And then you go, oh, do I even want to run a hardware store? That's kind of what happens when Dick Grayson is told, go be a better Batman. Now, he's got to figure out, A, if he can, and B, if he wants to. So that's what we're going to see. Yeah, and there is a, and there's a great run uh, that I'm sure Jeff John knows about, knows about. Jeff Johns knows about it, if anybody. But there was a great – He knows about everything. everything. Yeah, every comic. There, uh, Grant Morrison, whenever he killed off Batman at the end of the right before the New Fifty Two started, like there was a good run of comics, uh, and I'm sure that uh, Jeff's probably pulled inspiration from that, where Nightwing actually is Batman, and he pulled and and it was a, uh, it was a lot of like you know figuring stuff out, and and I think that's one thing. So here's another thing that people talk about, and I've seen this mentioned on the internet. Oh, Jason Todd died, and he's the Red Hood. It took him ten years to, do it. bro. You expect them to go 10 uh, – we're going to wait 10 literal years here to bring Red Hood into the picture. How, how many how many shows besides like Supernatural go like 10 seasons, you know? Well, I mean, well, not only that, but, you know, or even go 10 episodes. It's like if, yeah. we're, gonna, if we're going to embrace an element of that storyline, the people who are watching this show, the vast majority of them know – who Red Hood is when the mysterious Red Hood shows yeah. up in Gotham, they know who it is. 
we're not going to we're not going to sit around pretending the audience doesn't know it and then we're going to wait till episode 6 to reveal it it's like they know so let's proceed to that moment and then let's deal with look it's much more inter- the, the mystery is not that interesting yeah. what's interesting is the answer to the mystery and then what do you do about that this is a member of their family who has become a psychopath and so it's like, well, what are we going to do about this? And th- and we we were much more interested in that question, and and so that's 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 where we're going. And let me let me just say right now, on behalf of everybody, Rich, you bastard, why did you do that Thank to? You. Why did y'all do that to us in season in episode three? Why? Spoiler alert. Well, my spoiler God, alert. my God. The, Cool. The episode's been out for a week, and I don't know when this episode of Kolshak Luke's going to drop. Or, you know, Kolshak's Luke, Titans World. We love that character. But we also knew this story has to go in a particular direction. And so it was a hard decision to make. And and n- believe me, no one was happy about it. It was, it was it, Alan Richson is a lovely human being. Mm-hmm. And everyone loves working with him and writing for him. So on no level was it, oh, we got to get rid of a, you know, troublesome element on set. You know, this yeah. <laughs> was not the case. You hear stories sometimes about, you know, troublesome actors. And it's like, oh, you know what? Maybe we kill you. And that's how we solve that problem. Well, this, that was not the case here. Yeah. But um, but but we, it, there was a lot of discussion and um, and we came up with a story we were really happy with. So um, that was episode three. And now we're going to see again, episode four just a few hours what's the uh what's the aftermath for everybody yeah and and that's the thing so there's rumors flying around of course that he has a he's got a headline of course it's not rumors he does have a starring role in a new show coming up and that was sort of the speculation but you know i, I don't want you to give anything away in, in the... the those things i will tell you were were uh were what's the word contiguous that happened after what we did the, the the Jack Reacher show, which yes. I cannot wait to watch because oh, I'm a huge gonna, fan of. It's gonna be great. Yeah, huge fan of Lee Child, huge fan of Jack Reacher, and huge fan of Alan Richson and Nick Santora, who runs that show. So I'm excited to see it. That happened after uh, mm-hmm. after we after we did what we did, uh, and and he was uh, and he was a free agent. Let me tell you that he was very sought after. And and it was funny because I I had heard that they were developing a show based on Jack Reacher. And I'm like, wow, for the TV version in the room, we were just saying, God, Alan would be perfect for that. But we're like, you know, I'm sure they're looking at a lot of people. And then and that was the end of it. And then months later, it's all over, you know, Variety and Hollywood Reporter and Deadline and. It's like, wait, what? And I literally screamed. I'm like, oh my God, they did it. And I wrote him an email, like immediately. I'm like, oh my God, Alan, I cannot believe this. Literally, I said, you should be Jack Reacher. I said it six months ago and now it's happened and I had no idea it was happening and I cannot wait. This is the most amazing thing ever. And, you know, he's a busy guy. He's married. Mm. He's got kids. He's got a career. He's doing a lot of stuff. He's a director. He's a writer. I sent the email with no expectation of a response ever, frankly, within 90 seconds. I received the most lovely response from him. 
And it was just so great. Um, he's an actor I didn't get to work with enough. Uh, you know, uh, my episodes didn't always overlap with uh, his performances, but it was great to hear back from him. Anyway, yeah, he's a great guy. I wish him nothing but the best. Oh yeah, and those Hawkins. Sorry, sorry, we did what we did, man. <laughs> it's okay. It's all it's we 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 it's all in good fun here. But man, his, his the Hawk and Dove episodes are amazing. Go back and, and watch those. Uh, I mean, watch the whole series, of course. But but the the Hawk and Dove episodes are great, you know. And I love like how these inter and that's the beautiful thing about it is like the, the the intertwining stories can sort of go their own paths, but they'll all come back and sort of create this weave, this intricate you know little pattern of what we know as the Titan verse or this little corner yeah. you've sort of niched out of the DC, uh, you know, ex- I don't know if it's even the extended university, whatever it is, whatever they want to call it nowadays. Well, that's, I mean, that's why it's fun to pull in characters and, and sort of dip in and dip out. I mean, we've now, you know, we've brought Connor Kent, we've brought Superboy, you know, way into the fold. Um, and, uh, and so, I mean, look, part of the fun is, having access to a lot of characters and being able to write those characters. Part of the challenge is doing justice to all those characters. So there are people who are like, well, yeah, the first three episodes were great, but you know, where's Rachel? I was like, yeah, well, I'll tell you where Rachel is. Rachel's on an Island trying to bring Donna back to life. Now we ended season two with that because we knew we're like, you know what? Uh, Tegan Croft, the actress who plays, uh, Rachel Raven is um, she's still in school. <laughs> I yeah. mean, she is, it's not that thing where you, you, you hire a 29 year old to play a 16 year old. She's a young woman who is in school and, and we respect that. And it's a high priority for her. And when you're trying to do school and you're also trying to do 13 episodes of a show, that's, that's a lot to put on anyone. Okay, so we sort of said, okay, well, is there a way to sort of create a way for her to be doing something, but we don't have to check in with that until a little bit later in the season? And believe me, she comes in. We're going to see Rachel. We're going to see Raven. Yeah. And we decided, you know what? You know, sometimes you 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 save a little uh, a little something for later in the meal. And so that's uh, that's what we've done. And when she comes in, we think it's 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 some of the best stuff she ever does. And all the way up until the final episode, she has some of the best moments. I wish I could tell you. I, I wish I could. I wish I could even tease some of these moments, but I better no. Not. We don't want to get you in trouble here. And and I know, and I can then imagine Jeff Johns in the writing room. Man, is there? Is it sort? It, it sort of reminds me like uh, it, it seems like like you are just sitting around a table and like Jeff Johns is like the the he's like the big guy at the head of the table and he's like man he's like the what was the IBM computer they used to have on Jeopardy? Like you know, if only we had a way to write Rachel off. And he's like, "Well, if you go back to Teen Titans Volume Two from 1986, uh, I think it was issue 346. If you look there, when she's wearing the watch, she actually has the power of resurrection and does all this stuff." And you know that that is almost exactly correct. He, when you're discussing things, he has an encyclopedic knowledge of of obviously everything he's written and then everything anyone else has ever written of DC and Marvel, by the way, he's a big Marvel fan. Oh, yeah, too. Yeah. I mean, this is, there's no, you know, war there, but anyway, so, but what happens is because Jeff has got his own show called star girl that he's been yeah, writing yeah, and yeah. running. And so we knew we only had him for a certain amount of time before he got pulled back into star girl. So what you do is you try to get as much as you can 
out of him while you've got him. So it's like, okay, let's talk about the full season. Let's talk about character arcs. Let's talk about things that can happen, you know, and let's, let's, let's spend a month just talking big picture stuff and literally just squeezing him like an orange until there's nothing left. And then we go, okay, we're done with you. Okay. Now you have to go to star girl. Okay. We got as much as we can. And then of course, obviously we can always go back to him. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's one of those guys you can call. You could almost call Jeff at three in the morning, you know, and just go, uh, is there a way for a uh, super boy to uh, turn into a skunk? And he'll just go, yeah. It's like you said, <laughs> there was a storyline yeah, this year, that thing, you could do it. Or you could also invoke the law of, you know, Kalel, you know, or you could do this or you could do that. And that's the way you do it if you had to do it. But by the way, that's a horrible idea. Don't do it. Okay. Good night. And then he would leave. And then you go, okay, we got all the information we need. You know, we, we've had really a lot of fun talking about Titans, and uh, you know we're here. Speaking of DC, speaking of DC properties, uh, one of the great DC comics done by Alan Moore uh, was Swamp Thing. And speaking of Swamp Thing, I think there was an episode of 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 Cold Shack might be, and this is probably a different episode, so this transition really doesn't even matter right now. But there was a, a, a Cold Shack episode about some moss creature, so we're gonna go to that right now. Man, what a great transition that would have been if I didn't decide to split this up. But, uh, you know, thanks, everybody, for listening. As can be, you know, ascertained from the episode, Rich will be back for the Spanish Moss Murders episode. Uh, we had a little bit of hiccup in some of our put, getting episodes out, uh, much like the actual Cold Shack the Night Stalker production. We, did, we were good releasing episodes every week up until a point, and... Uh, just some things had built up. Uh, I don't know if Robert wants to talk about what happened on his end, and and I, you know I have a baby on the way, so there's just been a lot there. Um, and then podcast movement put us back a week as well, uh, which I which was a huge asset to to us as as a whole and our production quality and and uh, some of our quality of life stuff with our podcast. But with that came a, a price, and that was you know pushing the episodes back. So I hope you can all forgive us for that, but uh, it was all well-intentioned, and we hope to be back on. And we've got a lot of things down the pipeline. We've got the Jeff Rice Scholarship we've been talking about. Just keep an eye on, eye on, on that. And another reason you may not hear Robert in the, in the uh, coming weeks is he has actually got some, some gears in motion about, at, about that in the background uh, that he's doing. So uh, we, you know, we really... I really can't wait to have Robert back. I love the feeling hosts, but, uh, you know, when you get used to somebody every week, you know, you sort of get that chemistry about you. You sort of have a, a you know, you, you get used to it and you get you get that relationship and that uh, the inner workings there. Uh, you know, we can't wait to have you back, Robert. And uh, in the meantime, I hope you enjoy the, the feeling hosts as we go around the loop. And we have uh, found a couple of other people to join us, especially James Rice. As an aside for that, I've messaged James Rice. He's going to join me for an episode the energy eater so that will be uh that'll be interesting to see how that goes uh he, he had never seen the episode so i asked him and he said 
I said, hey, James, you want to join me for the Energiator? He said, yeah, let me watch it first. And uh, so that's going to be fun, guys. So just stick around. Um, I-, I won't keep you too much longer. You know where to find us on the socials. So just find us there. Contact us. Best way to contact us through e- email, coleshacksleep at gmail.com. If I'm not at work or I'm not doing something, I will try to get back. I'll, I'll usually get back with you pretty quick if I'm not uh, busy. So just email us there. And uh, if if nothing else, uh, for all things Cold Check, you can find us right here inside the loop. <laughs> <laughs>